And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. Hey, welcome back to Seven Fifty-Five is Real. I'm your friendly co co-host David O'Brien, and my other friendly co-host is Eric O'Flaherty. I'm the Braves writer for The Athletic. Eric's a former Braves reliever. I don't know if you guys are old enough to remember Eric back in the 60s, but uh, he was quite good. <laughs> Eric, what's up, man? <laughs> Strung together a good year or two. Not anymore. Old bag of, old bag of bones now. You, you pitched with that guy, if I'm not mistaken, that guy that was a pitcher for the Cubs last night. Yeah, Dirty C wants a little more money, I think. He's putting together I, that, that free agent year after a couple bad ones. He looks good, man. <laughs> he does. Hey, tell me something. Do you barely recognize him with long hair? No, because he does. He still does that thing as soon as he gets. Well, out he of still mouth. does that arm thing, but his <laughs> hair, if in the face with the hair, he looks so different than I'm used to. Yeah, those rosy cheeks are gone too. He's getting a little older. I, I noticed that. I thought those were going to be with him forever. No, they're gone. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, he was nasty. He was throwing ninety six, ninety seven, and dotting it too. Yeah, something something clicked. You know, I know he's gone through some stuff at home and maybe not focused, but he's settling in. I mean, that he looks now like the guy that we used to see all the time. Yeah, yeah, he's got uh, he's got time for one more significant deal if he keeps that up. But um, fortunately for the Braves, they only saw him one time during a series in a four game yeah. series, which means that was a hell of a series for the Braves, and it was. Yeah. They won those first three games. And that was far and away the best stretch that we've seen from the Braves. They've had a game or two, that game against the Cubs, obviously the 13-4, five-homer game. But this for three three straight games, they really looked a lot closer to last year's team. And I know that's some bad pitching with the Cubs, but still a lot of encouraging signs for the Braves offense in that series, I thought. Yeah, I mean, we've been – I'm glad they're doing it because we've been saying it's coming for – two or three weeks, you know, but I mean, you can look at the Dodgers too. The Dodgers haven't been hitting and they're still holding their own, but I think both teams are about to take off. And for the Braves, it was really that bottom half of the lineup wasn't yeah. contributing like you're used to in the past. Cause that used to be kind of like the second gauntlet, you know, that you get through that tough part of the lineup and then you'd have to deal with Dansby and Darno and those guys down there and they put up more runs. So they're looking good now. Ozuna's well, looking, looking like he's getting going at least. Yeah. It was really, the middle and the bottom. It was really yeah. everybody but Acuna. Was, let's be yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, you weren't worried about – I never right. worried about Freddie. Yeah. You know, Ozuna started to make you worry a little bit because um, he's had one of those seasons before. But uh, the bottom half was looking really bad, and, and now they're starting to contribute. And once they get going, man, this lineup, there's just going to be no breaks. The only thing good out of the bottom half for a while there was the replacements, the fill-ins, the pinch yeah. hitters, you yeah. know. Uh, Guillermo Heredia playing great. Pablo Sandoval obviously playing great. Um, and uh, Adrianza had some great yep. filling time. So 
Uh, now you got Austin Riley is cooking. You got Ozzy Albies is really heating up. Um, like you said, Azuna homer, two straight games. Great sign for him because he had one homer in the previous 23 games. So he's homer in back-to-back games. Um, I, man, you know what? I was, I was talking to Boba last night. He's really good. Ozuna is going to do this entire thing now on every home run. I mean, he stops, does the selfie at first, stops, does the stutter step thing at third. I mean, it's like a production. It's like a, uh, it's yep. like a Broadway production every home run. <laughs> it's you know, it's weird to see when you're down five runs. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, but. I mean, if that's that's kind of the mindset in the game now is that this is what the people want and what yeah. gets kids into the game, then yeah. whatever. I mean, I don't I don't know what the what the limit's going to be because you know at some I point think he's reached the limit. I think he's pushed I don't the limit. Think so. He's I right mean, there. He's hitting one ninety right now. What if he gets up to three fifty and he hits number thirty five on the year? Well, you know what I was also thinking is. It takes a special personality to pull it off and not rub it, but he is, has so much fun. Yeah. And everybody likes him so much. And on the other team, everybody likes him because he's just a friendly guy. I think if, say, Bryce Harper did the same thing, <laughs> oh, he would get, well. yeah. it would not go over well. Yeah. And I'm not sure when Ozuna, we haven't seen him do it on the road yet, that whole thing. If he does that whole thing in a place like Philadelphia with a packed house, it's well, that's when it's going to get funny. <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah. Because you can't really not do it now, right? Now that you've said it, now that you're doing it, either. I don't think he's going to be afraid. I don't think he's afraid of anything. No. Unless he has it. one for home and then one for the road, we'll find out. <laughs> yeah. I mean. That, I don't I think there's much danger if he does it now in Dunedin this weekend. He's okay there. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they got too many super passionate Blue Jays fans out there. But. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of the big uh, big change in the game and the whole let the kids play thing. I mean, yeah, I I, I fought it at first, you know, back three, four, five years ago when yeah. when guys started getting more flamboyant out there, and I guess you just you got to adapt to the times and embrace it. And I think Snit's done a good job at that. You know, I I wondered deep down how he feels about his player <laughs> yeah. ta- taking a selfie at first base. Um, it probably drives him crazy a little bit, but he knows. You know, for the greater good, he's he's just got to yeah. let certain things go, and I think but, that's where smart people are at now in the game. Yeah, exactly. I tell you what, after he just signed that four-year, sixty-five million dollar deal, nobody's going up to Ozuna, and the way he's been struggling. Now he's hit a couple of home runs. Nobody's going to go up to Ozuna. And go, hey, could you could you calm it down a little bit? <laughs> They're not doing well, that. So that's the thing is, it's like whatever. I, I think that's what you have to do at this point in the game as a manager is whatever gets guys to that place. Yeah, you know whatever, whatever routine they gotta have that gets them playing free and easy and loose out there. You know you don't want to discourage that. And the most important thing is it's good for the team. The team gets into it. If the team, if there were some guys on the team (laughs) that clearly did not like it and kind of expressed, you know, that they didn't or were rolling their eyes in the background or whatever, that'd be one thing. But they're into it, and if it helps the team, that's all you should care about. You know. Yeah. You can't worry about what the other side thinks, as long as you're not rubbing it in their faces. And I don't think he is. That's not what he's doing. He's not pointing to the other side. That'd be one thing, you know. He's not <laughs> grabbing his crotch, you know, at the other side yeah. or, you know, starting <laughs> fights. He's not like that. So that'd be one thing. So uh, he's not doing it. 
We'll see. It's, it is fun. I mean, I laugh. It makes me smile. So I, was I know laughing. the fans love it. I know the fans love it. And that's all that counts, right? Did you see Mike Plant waving in the background on it yesterday? I did not. <laughs> if you if you look past him when he's doing it, I don't know if Mike Plant knows he's going to be in that shot or whatever, but he's just standing there like this. <laughs> uh, they get guys like Riley who normally – and they got him in there doing selfies in the dugout. I mean, yeah. so, you know, that that's good. You know, that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. But whatever. We'll I mean, it's just whatever you got to do to get yourself in that mode out there that you play your best. You know, some guys are better reserved and they're uncomfortable showing yeah. that stuff. And other guys need to be free and just playing the game out there. So, I mean, it's, if I was in snitch shoes, I'd just, you know, if you see stuff you don't like, but you know it's for the better good of the team, just kind of. Yeah. Bite your, bite your tongue. And Snitz got guys. He could have Walt, White, Walt Weiss go talk to him if he wanted to and say, hey, look, <laughs> can we you don't at least do him. Can you just maybe just cut out maybe maybe the one, uh, this or that, you know? Tone it but, down until yeah. it's a big moment, you know, right. down six is. But well, that's <laughs> not a big deal, so we'll yeah. see. But uh, it's, uh, I you know, so far Ozuna hasn't taken one in the, you know, ear hole because of yeah. it. So obviously other teams aren't that pissed about it. But it's not really killing teams yet either, so we'll see. No, and that, that's kind of the thing too. You know, it, I I don't think teams are going to throw at him unless they feel disrespected, um, or you know, I mean, I, I think there's still a time and a place to throw at people in the game, but it's it's mainly to protect your players, like St. Louis and yeah, like St. Louis. Yeah, yeah, Harper got hit in the face, and then yeah. the next dude got smoked too in the ribs, and you know that neither one of those were intentional, but you have to send the message to other team that yeah. You I can't agree. hit our three-hole hitter in the face. You know, we're, we're going to come back at you with something. And I thought the whole thing went down perfect because Arenado knew it was coming. Yep. You know, Arenado and Goldschmidt were probably going to get hit. Arenado wore it and just jogged jogged over to first base. Handled it know. the way he's supposed to. Yeah. I mean, I, I really still like that side of the game. I do, too. I think people get a little carried away and think every time Acuna gets hit, so they, the, the Braves should hit the other. And they never look at the situation. Like, there was he got hit the other day, you know, like bases were loaded. I think, and he got, you know, he he, they, he, got, he didn't get hit. He got thrown inside, and he almost got hit. It's like they're not trying to hit him with the bases loaded. You know, you got to think about the situation. But And they're also not throwing at his head. Like, uh, you know, when when the dude from Miami threw at him, yeah. it obvious to start the game after he had let off yeah. three straight games with home runs. That can't – you can't stand for that. And that's when you've got to throw at their yeah. guy to get yeah. – you, you protect your guy. You've got to. But every time Acuna gets hit in the elbow guard, you can't throw at their guy. You know, you can't. You have to judge the situation. But the Braves got it. They've got to protect Acuna. And there have been a couple of times this year where I think they should have thrown at one of their yeah. guys in the next inning. You know. Well, the hard part for him is that one, he shows so much emotion when he gets pissed inside now. Yeah. You know, I mean, and it, it visually takes him off his game. So you can't expect your opponents not That's to do that because yeah. um, you can yeah. see him. If you watch the game, yep. every inside pitch now, he stares back out at the pitcher. Every time. But every time he wears one, you know, that outside pl- part of the plate opens back up. Uh, every time he gets hit, you know, he has a rougher game. Yeah, he did take Williams deep, though, um, on a fastball out over the plate or a slider. But you can see how it affects him. And it's also that's where you have to pitch him. You know, gotcha. if he's not if he's not looking to do damage in – most of his damage is out over the plate or breaking balls in the zone. So every single team's going to pitch him in. And when it visually frustrates him, you know, you're not going to, if a pitch, if a dude stares at you after you come high and in on him, 
you're not like, oh, no, he's mad. I better not go back in there. You know, it has no effect on you as a pitcher, but you can see that it's having an effect. It almost makes you want to do it more. So the other thing he doesn't do well is because he has that tendency to dive is he doesn't turn his back. You know, when it comes in tight, he he wears a lot off his hands. Like Freddie did for years and years. Yep. And and that's what uh, Crime Dog told me that Fred McGriff told me that Freddie has got to learn to turn the shoulder this way. Yeah. Freddie kept getting hit in the hands and wrists because he yep. kept turning like this to get out of the way of the ball instead of like that. And I have noticed Freddie been better about that in the last yeah. couple of years. But Crime Doc showed me, he said, it's, it's hard to learn it, but once you do it and make it instinctive, you turn, the ball's coming at you, you duck your shoulder because you're not going to get hurt. No, back of the shoulder. shoulder. I mean, it hurts, but it's not going to injure you. turn like this, all of a sudden you open all that up and you do real damage. You break those little bones in the wrist like Freddie did. Yeah, and Acuna wore one off the pinky. You know, I mean, that was kind of a scary thing the other day. Could have broke it. Could have broke it. Easily, Um, because that's one area. They haven't developed the kind of Kevlar gloves that will protect that. Because you got to be flexible. You can't put Kevlar on that. So so that's not protected. That that whole area is unprotected. Some guys have a pad on top of the hand, but you're not going to have it on the sides of the fingers and all that. So, so that's kind of when you know that that is when you as a team say we understand that you're going to pitch this guy in, but you know you better have you better throw guys that are throwing in on him with control. Yeah, that that don't smoke him or we're hitting you. You know, I mean, we understand part of the game is you got to pitch him high and tight inside and and get him off his game. But if you hit him, yeah, you know if it happens. It, we're probably going to hit somebody back. You know, there has to be some payback there. Yeah. Like Philly had a pitcher and they, they said he just, he just doesn't have his command. He's a young kid. Well, don't, he shouldn't be in there then. You know, the Cardinals, the Cardinals. The Cardinals did. I'm sorry. Yeah. He's he, the guy that hit Harper in the face. Right, right, right. He but that's the guys. message. It's like, we don't care why you're hitting yeah. him, whether it's accident or on purpose. If you hit him, we're hitting you. You know, yeah. I mean, that's, that's just kind of the side of the game that they got to, they got to enforce just to protect Acuna because guys can't be reckless in there. He's too valuable. So today's roster moves. Uh, the Braves. It was a flurry of them here going into this uh, interleague series at against the Blue Jays. Braves reinstated Sean Newcomb from the injured list. He'd been out COVID protocols. He missed two weeks. Uh, they recalled right-hander reliever Edgar Santana. This one's going to be interesting. I think he could be a big ad. He was really good with the Pirates a couple of years ago, three years ago, because he missed two years, one for TJ surgery last year for PED suspension. Braves got him for almost nothing, cash considerations, after he'd been DFA'd with the Pirates uh, three weeks ago. So he's a strike thrower. I heard good reports on him down at the uh, uh, alternate site. He could be a big ad because they need a guy beyond those first four, four or five guys. Um. And Newcomb can be really big. He was throwing great before he got before he went on uh, on the uh, IL. So that's two adds to the bullpen. They opened a spot for Santana on the forty man by transferring Soroka to the sixty day IL. And you know how that goes immediately on social media. It's like, oh, oh no, yeah. it's just procedural. It's nothing. Soroka was not, and you retroactivate it. So Soroka is not going to be ready physically before he, he's going to be eligible to come off the sixty day IL before he's even ready physically yeah he's gonna be out till at least early june probably mid late june he's been out well over 60 days at this point right and they shut him down for three weeks with the shoulder you know it was supposed to be two then it went three now he's throwing again but he's basically this is the start of spring training for him you know yeah he's got to go through the whole progression now again to go to be ready so 
That was just a procedural thing to open a spot for Centennial, the 40. And they optioned uh, Bryce Wilson back to the outside after Wilson had a pretty lackluster start, pretty bad start last night uh, in the series finale against the Cubs Thursday night. And they optioned Johan Camargo to the alternate side. And Eric, honestly, I forgot Camargo was on the team a couple of times this week until they showed him on TV standing at the uh, railing in the dugout. I mean, he's just, he has not played much at all. The regulars are playing all the time and he's not one of the two key guys off the bench because that's Sandoval. You know, and Guillermo Heredia, and then Adrianza. Those are their key guys off the bench. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's he Camargo's in a tough spot. I, I think if he was getting a chance to play every day, you know, like after after that big season he had, if he if he was just getting a chance to play every day, but there's not there's not really a spot for him to play every day. And I think he's a guy that needs to play every day. You know, we've talked about that in the past. How tough tough of an adjustment that is, especially for young guys. You know, on the mental side of it. But yeah. Yeah, he's in a tough spot. I mean, it could be good for him to go down and and get a lot more at bats, so that when he does get to play, he can contribute or go to another team. Yeah, because it's not doing him any good to sit the bench. Right, because Adrianza has replaced him as the primary utility guy, and so you he's can't not argue gonna, with that. It, no, and he's not even going to get because they've got they're one of those teams that they're not the Dodgers. They they play the same guys at the same positions basically every day. Yeah, you know, they're not subbing in. They're not sitting guys for a game or two a week. Like Ozzy Albies, Freddie Freeman, Dansby, Riley. They're playing every day. Yeah. So unless they're nicked up, they're basically not going to sit. They might sit one every 10 games, but that's it. Yep. So, and Adrian's is going to make the start in those, in most, most of the infield spots or Pablo, if Freddie sits for a game, you know, may, might play first base, but it's not going to be Camargo. So, and now he's probably behind Arcia too. Cause so don't forget they've got Arcia down there at the alternate site. And if God forbid Dansby got hurt, or Ozzy got hurt. RC is the guy that's going to stick. They're going to replace him with. He's yeah. going to play for three, four weeks if they need not Camargo. Yeah, he's so. in a tough spot because he's he's shown too much and he's too good to just trade for a bag of sunflower seeds, you know, and go get his opportunity. So, I mean, I think that's the thing that guys struggle with the most is knowing you're good enough to play at that level and just yeah. kind of hanging around waiting for your opportunity. It's 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 really hard to stay ready. So unfortunately, you are you are the depth the team needs, but that means you're not going to play unless somebody gets hurt, and in his case, unless two people probably get hurt. So, but if people ask about Arcia, what happened? Did he get hurt? No, he's not getting didn't get hurt. They didn't get him to sit him on the bench and have him yeah. uh, play once every week. They got yeah. him to be yeah. ready to fill in and play yeah. every day if needed. So yeah. that's what he's doing at the alt side. He's playing the, the daily inter squad games. You know, because if he was up with the team, he'd be getting, you know, one at bat every three days. Yeah. So they got some depth. That's a good thing for them. Not for Camargo, but it's good for the team. Yeah. Um, Newcomb had a 169 ERA, a 1125 whip in five appearances before he before he went on the IL. But I thought the big thing was he had 12 strikeouts and four walks in five and a third innings. So that's another power arm coming back that can really he could get in and do some get out of some jams if needed, you know, with the strikeouts, and he can go a can go an inning or or inning a third, inning two thirds. Uh, he's that's a big add. That's a that's a key piece, and he can pitch in a high leverage situations. That was yeah. what he was working his way into before he got hurt or before he went on the IL with COVID. Yeah, he's uh, got the he can COVID test, I should say. As long as he embraces it, you know, I don't know how bad he still wants to start, but as long as he 
embraces that role. I mean, you look at what Will Smith can do in clothes, right? Nuke's yeah. got better stuff than him. Oh, yeah. You know, so, and, and you saw it, that, that that game against the Nationals where he was just better than them, just blew him away. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, not not coming out of the, the rotation and having a fresh arm and being out of the pen, you know, he's, his velocity is going to jump. Um, I'll be, I'll be interested to see how he feels after his, his time off. But I, I mean, I have a lot of confidence in him and he's, he's been good out of the pen every time. Uh, Santana, the guy that called up today, uh, he had 69 appearances with the Pirates in 2018, had a three, two, six ERA, a 1.101 whip, 54 strikeouts and only 12 walks. In 66 and third innings. That's a hell of a ratio there, man. That's more than four to one. Yeah. Throwing strikes is is big. I was laughing the other day. It's like, you know, that Rizzo versus Freeman was the perfect example of just how yeah. <laughs> just throw the ball. You know, I mean, just yep. just that's those are the odds. You know, it's just that hard to hit a baseball. Rizzo's throwing 74 and he struck out Freddie Freeman, who, you know, people work their whole lives to be able to get Freddie out once. Yeah. And Rizzo comes in and punches him out at 74. You know, So anytime you get a reliever that throws strikes, it's a good thing. Well, Freddie said, I could hit Alex, uh, Alex, uh, 61 mile, 64 mile an hour curveball, but I couldn't hit Rizzo's 61 <laughs> mile an hour curveball. He said it was under my bat speed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was a great moment, man. Of course, yeah. the Braves were, were blowing him out. So. And Freddie had had Freddie was four for four in that game until he strikes out against Rizzo. Yeah, but that was one of those where everybody in the the building enjoyed it. Even yeah. Freddie, even though he said he did, and he did. He was laughing. He was laughing. He said Rizzo will have that over him for the rest of his life, though. You know, it's his pal. Rizzo's good. Oh for his man, life. you never you never get to talk any crap to him again. Never. It's over because he'll just go right to that. So he it, wins. It, Chances are he'll never face him again, uh, you know. So <laughs> I wish they'd throw Freddie on the mound in one of those games. I mean, I, I think Rizzo had been begging Joe Madden to pitch for years, and, and Rossi finally let him do it. But Freddie off the mound, man, I guarantee he could throw low 90s. He has a cannon. That's that, that's the thing, though. Is he got, he's not going to get up there and do like Rizzo, where Rizzo obviously wasn't going to get hurt. You know, he's not. Freddie's going to let it eat. And yeah. try to throw hard. Yeah. And the Braves are probably scared as, as hell yeah. that he or Acuna, somebody like that, you'd use him and they need him hurting an elbow. And you would never hear the end yep. of it if that happened. We always wanted to see Simmons off the mound, too, because yeah. he had such a good arm. He did. One time he did jump up on, uh, we were in spring training. He just jumped up on the mound because they would leave that gun on at Disney. Uh huh. So, and the thing is, is even us pitchers, we try to put a little something on it. It'd be eighty-two because when you're not in game mode and you're not fully, you know, lubed up, it's it's not there. Simba jumped up there and put a ninety-two up with one throw. And we were like, man, if he wow. got off the mountain, he could probably touch a hundred. Yeah, I heard he hit ninety-eight as a closer at uh, yeah. at that Oklahoma JUCO that he went to. It's not a tough sell. Yeah. Uh, you know who else? LaRoche. Remember Adam LaRoche used to throw a bullpen like every every week yeah. or two, uh, or every uh, four or five days he would throw bullpens just in case because he wanted Bobby to use him. Bobby never did. Yeah. But he had a nasty breaking ball, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's always the guys that, you know, it's like Charlie that if he gets hurt, you know, yeah. it hurts, but it doesn't. You're not losing a starter. So I, that's, I was kind of shocked to see Rossi throw Rizzo out there, but he probably talked to him ahead of time. Like, just go yeah. mess around, you know, don't blow your arm out. Yeah, and he funny. wasn't throwing hard at all. He wasn't trying to hump up. And <laughs> he did try to hump up on the one, and he, he like seventy seven, I think. <laughs> that was that was fun to watch, though. God, yeah. those guys—they look like kids out there, man. Yeah, but they that's not, having... that goes back to the whole what we were talking about earlier. Like that, 
guys smiling and laughing while they're down 10 runs that would have yeah. never happened 10 years ago and people love it you know i mean it, it got it gave people something to laugh about and enjoy in a blowout snits like bobby does not want to use a, uh, a position player pitch i no. mean he learned from bob bobby hated that you know he never did it bobby would never be shorthanded he always had a guy even if they went 17 innings, he did not want to run out of pitchers if he could if he could all be helped. Yeah. And he also didn't pinch hit his catcher like so many guys do now. You know? I mean, the chances are so slim that you're ever going to run out of catchers, but he didn't want to do it. He wouldn't pinch hit his catcher unless he really had to. Yeah. I mean, the only time school. I think that's a tough call is if you have a, a catcher that's your everyday guy that just rakes. Yeah. You know, it, like BMAC used to come off the bench sometimes. Freddie would do it. I remember BMAC yeah. came in and hit a, a game-tying homer in the ninth off Melanson and then a game-winner a couple innings later off the bench. But for the most part, yeah, you're right. Bobby wouldn't do that. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. What do you think of uh, Bryce Wilson so far? I mean, it's you know it's so sporadic; it's hard to judge anything because he. But you know, back back and forth for the alternate site. But he gave up seven hits, four runs, two walks, only one strikeout in three innings last night against the Cubs. Thursday night, also had strange balk where he slipped on his plant foot. I guess it just happens, but he almost rolled his ankle, almost tumbled off the mound, man. But that led in the second run of the first inning. You know, he had guys on second, and third, and balked. Yeah, sometimes I think his cleat just caught. You know, I mean, you, yeah, that's what it looked like. You yeah. kind of you take your foot pretty low, trying to stay in line, uh-huh. and if that cleat catches, you're never expecting that, so it's a wrap from there. You, most guys will try to throw it anyway, so there's no balk. But if you're not ready for it, yeah, know, I mean, yeah, yeah, you don't want to send it to the bleachers. No, he. Uh, but so far, he's one and two with a six, seven, five ERA and three starts. He's allowed 18 hits, nine earned runs, five walks with eight strikeouts in 12 innings. Obviously, this is not what we expected after what we thought might be a breakthrough performance for him, you know, against Clayton Kershaw in the NLCS. But it's just hard to judge because, you know, he started at the alternate site. He's back and forth. He's, he's pitching there every five days, but that's a little different than coming up here and pitching. But uh, rough start for him. Yeah, he's a tough one for me because you don't ever want to take that aggression away that he's got. I, I like that he challenges guys and goes after them, but yeah. I've noticed when his velocity's down or he doesn't have his breaking ball, you know, I mean, he left some sliders up. He he left some fastballs belt high instead of either at the top or the bottom of the zone. You know, he was just yeah. kind of hitting those no-fly zones a little too much yesterday. Um, 
I mean, it, for him, you just go to the drawing board and you figure out if, if you need to throw more. If you if your mindset is, you, I want to be a really aggressive pitcher and be in the zone and attack guys, you might need a movement fastball, you know, because his fastball is pretty straight. So you might want a cutter. You might want a sinker. You know, I mean, that's that's a good thing early in your career when you do go down is, is he can kind of toy around with something that he feels like he can throw for strikes, you know, th- something hard, but that he might be able to miss more barrels with and and you know, a sinker or cutter is going to be easier to keep down in the zone. Well, fortunately for the Braves, Huascar Enoa yeah. has been even more of a pleasant surprise yeah. than Wilson has been a disappointment so far. That's for sure. I mean, we knew Enoa was good because he had those big moments last year in the playoffs in a blowout. They were getting blown out. Big moment at uh, Philly in a doubleheader, but that was only like three innings. No one could have suspected that he was ready to do what he's done this year because he has been terrific in four of his five starts. All the starts with Alex Jackson catching, he's been terrific. Well, and even handling his role last year, bouncing all over the place, yeah. you know, that that's really not easy to do. And they'd throw him in a spot start and he'd get it done. You know, he might not be perfect, but he'd give you something every time. Uh, this year, I just, I've noticed his slider is so damn good. Yeah. I mean, he gets bad swings on his slider. He's he's not afraid either. He's got that confidence. He's loose out there. Um, I didn't know he threw as hard as he did. You know, I mean, he's, yeah. he's I feel like he's got an extra mile or two this year, and, and that's definitely helping him. But the cool thing about his shoes is nobody, no coach, no nobody making decisions in the big leagues cares how good you're supposed to be or your prospect status. Yeah. If you're throwing like he is, he's getting opportunity, and I like to see it. He's a strong dude, as we saw by his home run. Yeah. Um, Front foot. Yeah, yeah. But he can hump it up to the upper 90s. Yeah. And then Freddie said the few batters that got to first base, a couple of guys got to first base, told him that that slider is like two different breaking balls, the movement. Yeah. And and Huascar said that's all in just uh, the him changing the velocity, taking yeah. a little bit off. He said he can make it do different things by just taking a little bit off, which I, some other guys could learn from that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that was something I was thinking about Bryce too, is that, you know, everything's kind of going away from the hitters, but there's, there's not too much variance and in, in just those little things. So that's learning how to pitch. And, and some guys come up with that and then some guys have to learn it through failure and, and go toy around with the sinker or, or, or taking a little off your breaking ball. But, but being able to throw a slider one time and have it go more, you know, North South. And the next time it's going East West, that, gives the hitters, even if they're looking for the pitch, and it's just that little bit different of a break. You know, all of a sudden they yeah. hit it off the end of the bat or they get it off their hands or they swing over the top of it. That's pitching. You know, that's that's what makes a guy good. And and to see that from him and already know how to do that, because forget, he's young too. He's like yeah. 24. 23. 23. You know, I didn't know how to do that stuff at 23, but that's probably a big part of why he's doing so well. That's exactly what uh, Snit said was you rarely see a young guy with the feel for the breaking ball that he has. Explain yeah. that to people why that's why that is. Well, I mean, it's just it's playing around, you know, it's like for me, I always had a good breaking ball because I sat in my front yard and played pickup baseball with my buddies in the neighborhood. And we had these we had these little foam balls that you could make break like seven feet instead of the yeah. two you're getting from a baseball but you just learn, you know, if I put my hand, if I come across it more, it goes more side to side. If I get on top of it, it goes down. Um, it's harder to it's harder to play at the major league level, you yeah. know, because there's so much stress on you. Um, it's you got to have balls to try stuff like that in games, and sometimes it backfires on you. You don't ever want to do it again. 
Yeah. But just having the feel for what the ball is going to do, you know, so many guys get into this robotic, this is my breaking ball. This is how I throw up mode. And you forget to play a game and pitch. Yeah. Um, and I think young guys, especially with all the pressure on them, you know, I mean, especially the guys on the back end of this rotation, they know Soroka's coming back. They're trying to stay in this thing. So they might not have the balls to toy around with a pitch yeah. like that. And, and Noah's out there. He seems like he's just like, I mean, the most, maybe the most confident pitcher on the staff right now, but he's just playing a game when he's out there. Yeah. And it's a good place to be mentally. And he also has developed that changeup, and he threw some yeah. of those the other day. I mean, if he brings that changeup and makes that to something close to a plus pitch, this guy with that slider, that yeah. fastball, and a changeup, he could be top of the rotation guy. I mean, yeah. he, that's why he's pitching right now anyway. Yeah, and that that's part of why I keep forgetting he's so young is he doesn't have all that prospect hype on him. Yeah. You, you haven't been hearing about him. You know, he kind of – came over in a trade that wasn't a big deal. And so when you when you come over like that, there's not all this hype of this big prospect we got. And you watch him pitch and you kind of think he's like a journeyman or something. Then you find out right. he's 23 and you're like, shit, this might be one of the best pitching prospects we've got in a while. You know? Yeah. So you look at next year. I don't want to look ahead too much, but you look at next year with Soroka, Freed, and then, of course, Ian Anderson and this guy. I mean, that yeah. could go any order. You could have any of those guys at number one, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's pitching that well. Yeah, you you could have four legit top half of the rotation guys, top, uh, one two type guys. Yeah, and that's the beautiful thing about it. It's not going to come down to contract status or prospect mm-hmm. status. Whoever's the hottest and throwing the ball the best, you know, you can't really argue with that guy being your ace. It's going to be hard to overtake Freed and Soroka, but yeah, you if know, he's, healthy, he, yeah, it, yeah, but he is and Anderson too. I mean, right, Anderson, <laughs> terrific. All three of them, but that's it's incredible game. depth they have. And then you just fill in with whoever. You trade for a guy, you pick up a journeyman for fifth, whoever, fifth, if those guys are all healthy. Yeah. That's what you're doing. You're finding a fifth starter because you've got yeah. your first four right there and they're all making not much money. Yeah. And it well, if and if Wright or or Wilson right. figure out the things that are holding exactly. them back, you know, I mean that that'll just be what they'd have to gauge moving forward is if they have the confidence in those guys. But it's really not a huge risk if you know what keeps pitching like this, and Anderson so shows what he has. Freed gets back healthy, Soroka yeah. gets back healthy. I mean, you you got a solid rotation for a long time. And then you got young guys. You're going to have a minor league season this year, so you're going to yep. have a chance to gauge guys in real games like Moeller and Tucker Davidson. I mean, you're going to have you're you're going to you should have choices. You might not even have to go out and get a, a guy next year other than a, a veteran to to be able to plug into the fifth spot if somebody gets hurt. Bring Charlie back anyway if he keeps doing what he's doing because he's nice stability to have. Yeah. He's been pretty consistent. Yeah, and he might not be ready to hang it up if he's Mm-mm. right here and he can train, spring training right near his house. Yeah. Anyway, that's getting ahead of ourselves. We're only 25 games into this thing. But, yeah, yeah the, the pitching depth looks good, man. The uh, Alex Jackson can can be thankful that Huascar has pitched so well with him catching because Alex is doing nothing with the bat. But – you can't argue with this so far. There's no way Snit's going to break up that tandem when he's pitching. If the, if it's at all possible, he's going to keep letting Alex catch Huascar as long as they keep doing this because Huascar only struggled in one start, and that was with, you know, it's probably just coincidence, whatever, with Darno catching. But Darno needs a break need every days five off days. Anyway. anyway, it's so nice to have works. that. Yeah, it's a nice. It's nice to be able to coordinate that, you know. And they're both right-handed hitters, so there's a wash there. You know, you're not going to try to start him against the lefty because he hits righty or vice versa you know i mean 
It, well, Jackson's not hitting either right now. So, but, but yeah, but what I'm saying is, you might the only way you might break that up is if you like the matchup of one right. of the hitters hit left-handed and right. and you, you know, but yeah. it's nice to have that anyway. Have that one guy that matches up really well because it's just it makes Snit's job easy if when to yeah. give Darno a day off. Yeah. So unless it's like a day game after a night game, he's gonna have, yeah. you know that'll be perfect chances for uh, to give. Yeah. It works out well. It's kind of like uh, the Maddox with Eddie Perez, you know? Yeah, and sometimes there's reason, no reason for it. It's just... Just worked. Maddox just was worked, comfortable so. with him catching. Yep. And at that point, once you've done it, you know, for... If Anoa's done it for five or six starts to him, you know, it's just nice to see that same guy back there for familiarity. Yeah. And I still think Alex Jackson is going to run into one a few times, you know? I mean, we've seen that what he could do with the power. Saw spring training a couple of bombs, but he's just uh, – he looks overmatched most of the time at the plate. But, you know, when you get when, if he's catching once every five days and Oscar's doing that, it doesn't matter if no. he gets in anything, you know? No, especially if everybody else in the lineup gets right. going. You know, if Darno's bat was on fire and everybody else was struggling, you might want right. to toy with it. But the way it's going now, I don't see him messing with it at all. Um. Bench strength, the irony of this, we were talking about entering the season, the bench as being the the main weakness of this team, the bench. It's been arguably the strength of the team so far. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's crazy. You think you pick, it's like, say, you know, like right now, the Giants and the Royals have the best records in them, National League and the American League, respectively. Who, who picked it? Nobody. So, but... This bench thing doesn't look like a fluke either because Adrian, so I knew it was a good player. I mean, everybody yeah. told me that when they got him from the Twins. Nobody expected this from Guillermo Heredia. But what he's doing when he's doing it, it doesn't look fluky. I mean, he no. looks good up there, and he's a good outfielder. And yeah. then Pablo Sandoval, that's not fluky. This guy's no. hit forever. And he's in a perfect role for Pablo Sandoval now. Pinch hitting, hasn't needed him in the field, but if he needs to play first base or even third base, he can you know, it's not for, to for to get through a game or whatever, or he can play or he can play first base for for a series if they needed him to. But he's a guy that you can bent, pinch hit, and he is perfectly suited for and and just comes through again and again with professional at bats in that role. Yeah, you know, even if even if he hadn't done what he's done, the at bats are encouraging. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean that that's really what you want to see off the bench is you don't want a guy coming up there and grounding out first pitch and. Pretty much everybody off the bench is at least coming up and battling. Yeah. And, you know, in this sense, they're putting up numbers too. So we were wrong. I'm glad to be wrong about that. They're, uh, the the uh, Braves pinch hitting OPS, oh, 888 OPS and 41 pinch hit plate appearances. So this is not 10, you no, know. It's hard to get. <laughs> is the best in baseball among all teams with more than 10 plate appearances. In other words, everybody except a couple of American League teams that never pinch hit. Uh, there are four pinch hit homers. Twice as many as any other team except the Giants, who have five pinch hit homers, but they have 62 pinch hit plate appearances compared to the Braves' 41. So they're more typical in that they get they're pinch hitting for a lot more guys than, than yeah. the Braves don't pinch hit for any of their reg- lineup regulars for the most part. Um, Braves' 571 slugging percentage from pinch hitters, the best among the 29 teams that have more than three plate appearances from pinch hitters. The White Sox never pinch hit. They just don't do it, huh? They never pinch hit. Um, (laughs) They have a home run every 8.75 pinch hit at bats. That's impressive. Only two other teams even have a better ratio than one every 16 at bats. And the only two teams besides the Braves and Giants 
that even have more than one. Oh, there are only two other teams besides the Braves and Giants that even have more than one pinch hit homer. So, I mean, that's a, that's a big, that's a big plus to be able to work with that and, 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 and know that you don't have to, you don't have to take care of that from this point. You, you're set with that. Yeah. I um, mean, if you, if you're hit facing a bench bat, you know, Pablo Sandoval is one of the last guys you want to face. Yeah. You just, you don't know what's going to happen. You know, he's going to put together a good at bat. He could take you deep. He might shoot one the other way. Might you know, draw I mean, a walk. He might draw a walk. He's just, he's a, he's a nice luxury for this team to have. Yeah. Yeah. They haven't had one as good as him in a, in a, in a while. Um, Adam, by the way, Adam Duvall had that huge series against the Braves, and everybody's like, "We should have signed him. We should have resigned him." And I was, I was among that group that felt, "Oh, should." Well, overall, he's having a pretty lousy season. I mean, I love Adam Duvall, but he's hitting one eighty-eight, four homers. What three of those came in that series? Two thirty-five OBP, six thirty-five OPS, and get this: thirty-two strikeouts in eighty at bats. Mm. That that's that is a I mean, lot of strikeouts. Florida's a lot a lot tougher park to hit in too. You know, yeah. you, you get in, you fall into that trap there of trying to do too much with those deep fences. Yeah, he might just be a guy that loves hitting at truest. And if he was here, he might have different numbers. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It could, they could have used him as a fourth outfielder. There's no doubt. But Guillermo Horilla has been terrific he's filled in, in that great. Role, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, so speaking of Azuna, he homered for the second consecutive night last night. After Omer and once in the first 23 games, Ozzy Albies had yet another double. He is a doubles machine. And Austin Riley drove in another run. So the Braves lost that game last night, but it was more than enough kind of positives considering how much they hit in the first three games of that series. And Eric, tell me how tough it is to sweep a four-game series. It doesn't matter how bad you are or how good you are. It's tough to sweep a team in a four-game series. It'd be tough to sweep a double A team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's just baseball. That's you know that's why there's that's why you don't freak out early on, and there's just so many games. But it just seems like it never happens. Even you know something freaky will happen, and you'll lose the series. But yeah, one of your starters is going to have a bad night. Yeah, and they'll and they'll it, just hit one day for no reason at all. Whatever it is, if it's yeah. a mismatch, baseball's not like you know basketball and football where the better team seems to almost always win. It's it's right. just. There's so much fluky stuff in baseball and so much luck. It's really hard to sweep four games. But those guys hitting and taking three out of four, you know, even if you think you're a better team than the Cubs, it's it's a good feeling. Yeah, one of your starters is going to have a bad night and or one of the other starters, the other team starters is going to lock in. He could have a six ERA and throw six shutout for no reason. You know, it and just that happens. dude pitched well last night for the Cubs. Yeah, he did. Yeah, good while breaking Braves, ball. While the Braves had a bullpen game and, and, and Wilson went three innings on short rest. So, yeah. There you go. 9-3 loss in the series finale. They fe- they left town, though, feeling really good about the strides they had made. It was a, I mean, you don't see a kind of turnaround as quick as the Braves got between Sunday, the low point of the season. Low point in recent years, I thought, <laughs> yeah. that doubleheader. It's been years since they looked that bad for a whole day. Yeah. They went from that to leaving town last night feeling really good about the, the homestand, seven-gate homestand. Four and three record. No big, no big, uh, uh, whoops! But the the uh, the three wins against the Cubs Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday were really impressive, and they they got so many more guys going offensively. Convincing, that, uh, yeah, and that's what they've been waiting for. We knew it was coming, but it took longer than anybody expected. But now you leave going, all right. Now you guys are starting to go. I mean, Austin Riley's in a real role. Ozzy's hitting now. Ozuna's showing signs of waking up. Uh, Acuna still keep, keeps raking. 
Uh, Dansby's look good. So uh, it's a different situation now than, than, than it was Sunday when they just looked pathetic against the uh, Diamondbacks in that doubleheader. Yeah, I think you'll start you'll start seeing a lot more of those comeback wins too with the bats going. Yeah, I mean that they won so many games last year where they got a bad start. They were down five runs and just started chipping away, and, and they just haven't been yeah. able to do that. You know, in April, you know, there's no there's no pennant given out in April, but um, you'll start seeing them making those big comebacks they were making in the past again. If as long as that bottom half gets going, you know, and and. and it's funny you said that because last night was the first night that I felt they were down five nothing, and it they're was the still first, in this. Yes, yeah. and I haven't felt that all year. Yeah, and that you felt that the entire year, the last two years. Exactly, Any game was was still a close game, even if they were down five. They did not come back obviously last night, but I felt like they could. They were just yeah. a couple of guys getting on base and a three run homer, and boom, you're back in it. So, yep. Um, what have I got to? Oh, here, let me see this. They got uh, where was I? Yeah, Cam Cam threw me off. Cam had some breaking news there, but uh, no, wasn't important. Nah, up, Cam. No, Cam thought it was important. It's not really important. The Roberto Alomar stuff this morning—that was ugly. I, I didn't see that. What was yeah, it? He's banned, banned and fired, and all that sexual mis. Uh, Oh, you'll have to look it up. But he made a he said some things to somebody he shouldn't have said some things to, and uh, he's they've stripped his banners off the uh, rafters at Toronto. They're going at the ballpark, and he is now out of a job. Uh, the Hall of Fame, you know, this is a slippery slope. The Hall of Fame now is saying, you know, when he was voted on, he was eligible, so he'll remain. They're disappointed, but he will remain. His bus will remain in the Hall of Fame and all that, and. You know, I heard Mad Dog Russo say something this morning, and I agreed with him. It's like, okay, so because he was eligible when they voted on him, they're going to leave his bust up, but yet they've never made Pete Rose eligible to be voted on, and he's been banned for life, and he's never yeah. had a chance to get voted on. And if you put Pete Rose's name he's out there for us, yeah. for, for us to vote on, I got to think there's 70% or close to it. That I know I'd vote for him. I always would have because I always thought Pete Rose, what he did as a player – is why he should be in the Hall of Fame. And that what he did as a manager, betting on, you know, I still haven't seen where he bet on his own team. And if he did bet on his own team, he didn't bet on his own team to lose. He bet on him to win. So what did yeah. he do? <laughs> you know, tried to well, win. <laughs> I've thought about that, though. I mean, there's some tricky bets you can make with spreads and stuff like that. If he needed a certain spread or an over-under. Yeah, might or he might have used a guy, didn't he? Use a used, different but, reliever and get hit that over. But nevertheless, know. I think Pete Rose, for what he did as a player, belonged in the Hall of Fame. Hit King. You know? And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm the guy that will not vote steroid guys in. I know that. But to me, it's not. I'm not being hypocritical. I think it's two different things. But anyway, especially nowadays when, when the MLB is embracing gambling, you know? Yeah, yeah. Not by players, not by the people in the in the game, but everybody else. You Draft know, Kings ads everywhere. Yeah, yeah. on yeah. the stadium walls, and uh, yeah, it's just uh, you know, in advertising. The, the there's only a matter of time it's going to be a ballpark named for one of those places. DraftKings yeah. Stadium. They're yeah. not going to stop them. So anyway, uh, we got off track there. Uh, the homestand. I, Austin Riley said. He said, uh, I think it was a really good homestand. A lot of things clicked for some guys. Just hope to continue, keep rolling on this road trip coming up. They go, they play the Blue Jays, then they play the Nationals. So 
got a chance to do so, especially the Nationals. They're kind of dinged up and they're struggling. They got a chance to to, to have a winning road trip. And that's all you ever look for on a road trip is to have a winning record or at least split even on the road 500. trip. Yeah. Well, I mean, even, even if they went negative on this homestand, just seeing the bats get going. Yeah. Because you got so much time. You know that's what that's what's really been missing. Even if they lost Gone a couple three and close four on ones. Stand and yeah, even if they went yeah. three and four, I'd call it a good homestand just seeing the bats get going. And then you got you come back and you face the Phillies. So right yeah. now those are the two teams tied for first place in the division with twelve and thirteen records. Yeah. You know, it's that's gonna be not, like that all year. Right. I mean, everybody says, Oh, so much for the NL East being the best division. But we knew that that need, no team in this division was going to win ninety five to one hundred games. I said that no. at the start of the year that the winning the win, somebody's going to win it with about eighty nine ninety wins. I think. Yeah. And we also said that we didn't think the wild card would come from the division because these teams are going to beat each other up all year, and that's what so far they have. Yep. The well, Nationals there's no spread. You know, everybody's pretty competitive. You don't right. you don't have a couple teams like the Diamondbacks and Rockies that the Dodgers and Padres can stack their wins against. You know, there's exactly. maybe maybe the Nationals being beat up, you could stack a few wins, but for the most part, it's going to be you're going the teams you're going to play the most are all competitive. The Nationals have not been as good as we thought because they've had more pitching injuries. And, so, so, and so right, he hasn't done anything yet. So, but you know they can get going at any time. But like the Phillies, parts of their game are better than what I expected. The Marlins, you know, we knew it was going to take a while for them to put it together, but they, they any night they're capable with those arms they have of doing something. So the division is still, I think, is still really tough, and I think these yeah. teams are going to beat each other up all year, and I don't think anybody's going to win it by 10 games. No, I and mean, you can look through division like Lindor's not hitting. You know, like there's teams that – Oh, yeah, he's are, getting are, booed. And, yeah. Yeah, there's he teams that are going to get going too. And Thor's going to be back for the Mets. They've already yeah. had good pitching, and he's and Sundergaard's going to be back for long. And you know Lindor's going to start hitting. Yeah. It's not unusual to go there and struggle initially. You know he's feeling pressure. You've got that big contract. They start booing you because they're idiots. You know, you can't be booing your guy like that right off the bat. Come on. Yeah, I mean, he just got to not take it personal. Everybody yeah. gets booed in New York when they struggle. But New York and Philly, you're going to get you, booed. The one thing you don't want to have happen is it turn into a Jason Bay situation. And I mean, I think it does it it does a lot when a fan base supports you when you struggle. Yep, like, like that's, St. Louis. That's, that's why guys love playing for St. Louis because that, that type of stuff's not going to happen. But New York's a different fan base, and that's what makes it tougher to play there. You know, I don't, I don't think he dealt with any of that in Cleveland, but he'll adjust to Never. it because he's just too good. Yeah, I mean, that's it, it's real when some people say when certain guys don't want to go play in New York, they know they won't, they might not be great there. And other guys, you say, I don't think he's a New York type player. That is real, man. Yeah. You can't say that about any other town, but that's real. There is pressure to play there because you know, if you don't, if you don't play well and you got a big contract, they are going to let you hear it. Don't matter how nice you are, yeah. how good looking you are, how friendly you are. You got to play there. Or you're going to get uh, booed, and you'd be the greatest dude on earth. If you're not. Yeah. I mean, they'd rather have a scumbag hitting 350. Yeah. You know. I mean, it's it's definitely and and the media pressure. You you, you know, if you struggle in Absolute Cleveland, back you're probably page in New York. You're probably answering questions to four reporters in Cleveland when you're struggling. Yeah. When you're struggling in New York, the, another dude on your team can go four for four with four homers. The media is going to be at the dude struggling. Yeah. That they're going to be at his locker. There's going to be 25 people standing around your locker waiting for you to shower up and come talk to him. 
while Conforto hit three homers today, he's already left. Nobody even mentioned it. You know, yeah. I mean, that that's just the nature of the beast in New York. So a lot of guys do struggle with that. You but were I there. Think, you saw it, man. Yeah, I saw it. I, I got eaten alive there. I had I was I wasn't right before I got there, you know, so I went at a bad time in my career. But um, playing there definitely didn't help my situation at all. <laughs> And when you say media, and it's not necessarily the beat writers. I mean, they, they're fair no. and everything, but it's those headline back page headline writers. Those The tabloids are competing against each other, yep. and they will turn on you so fast. Look at the Dark Knight. Look how, he's, yep. how he was the king of New York for a year, and yep. then he was the dreg and just got ripped on the back pages when he did something stupid. But they were stacking that info. You know, they waited for him to struggle. Yeah. When, yep. when he, even when he was when he was king of New York and it, he got stuck in traffic or something. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know he what the story was, there. but um, that kind of stuff. You know, he Harvey would he pull off a lot and get away with it when he was putting up numbers. And you know, the mistake a lot of guys buy into is they think that people really love you, and yeah. then and then they then it hurts their feelings when they find uh, out the truth that that. Now these people aren't on my side, you know, they're just absolutely, you know, I mean, that kind of, I think that caught up with him a lot, but it's definitely, man, it's a, it's a tough place to play, but that's, that's part of why I think that they always struggle and have so much background chaos and drama going on is, is the factor of the media and the fans and even their announcers, man. Like if you, if you mess up a play, those yeah. announcers just toast their players, and they're almost, you know, the they're, Mets they're, announcers do the Mets announcers. Yeah, I mean, not they, the Yankees. They, no, the Mets announcers though will yep. torch their players every they're time good. they do something stupid. You know, they're those those players. Guys, yeah, they hate. You're they're muted in the clubhouse. Like you know, Keith Hernandez, is, yep. his voice isn't making it through those speakers. Uh, but I, I also find myself if I'm choosing between the two games. Yeah, you know the two feeds. Oh yeah, I always kind of call. I always tune into the Mets feed just to see what they're saying. So they're I mean, really good, man. They're oh, good. Those guys are good. They're good. You gotta like broadcasters who don't give a shit. You know, yeah. who have <laughs> their station in life. They yep. made their money. They have their reputations, and they're not going to kowtow to anybody. You know, yeah. you want to fire yep. me? Fire me. You're going to yep. get ripped for it. But I got plenty of things I can do. And if I need to retire right now, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Keith Hernandez strikes me as that type of guy. Yeah, he doesn't care. He calls it like it is. Ron Darling's good. I mean, those guys are good, man. It, it rubs you wrong as a player, but I think their fan base kind of yeah. kind of likes it. Yeah, But it doesn't I mean, they, help if you're struggling as a player and the announcers are, are saying it on TV like, oh, boy, he looks terrible. You know, I mean, it, it just kind of feeds into it. You know, and it's why it's why everybody has always said, that it's so amazing that Derek Jeter played his entire career in New York and never had a scandal, never had being ripped on the back page. He could struggle for a while, but he had so built up so much, you know, in reservoir as a good guy and a performer, big game performer, that he never got ripped. He never got in trouble. And he he dated a string of women. I mean, all of them. beauty queens, actresses, <laughs> yeah. all the women. Never heard a whiff of controversy with that guy. I mean, it's amazing what he did. No, no. I mean, he's probably got the most respect from players of any baseball player ever. You know, <laughs> everything he pulled off, you know, partying like he did and, and, and being able to maintain and handle that whole situation. I, people try to rip on him for not having the best range at shortstop, but I'm just like, you know, you know how much pressure was on that guy compared to the dude you love that was playing in Cleveland and making yeah. plays in the hole. Yeah. I mean, he was, he, he had so much more that could have gone wrong in, in his career and so much more to handle than your average guy. And he did it forever with no scandals. Yeah. And compare that to say a rod in New York. 
Yeah. <laughs> and, he, yeah. He, and he had some big years there too, eh, Rod? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Jeter thing, so much of the Jeter stuff is jealousy and envy, man. I mean, guys yeah. want to be him. You know, yeah. opposing teams hated what he did to them. Uh, you know, he got voted. He was the only guy that got voted mo- both most overrated and most underrated player by players, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. opposing fans hated him. He's a good-looking dude. He gets so much attention and all that. But, I mean, year after year after year, he was solid. Anybody wanted him on their team. Anybody. yeah. yeah. So, yeah, he's a legend for sure. It's like Chipper. I mean, it's like Chipper. Opposing teams hated him. They hated how he looked, how he smirked, how he did it. But they would love to have had him on their team, you know? Yeah. But but Jeter did it without the smirks and everything. He just uh, <laughs> yeah, he didn't have to. <laughs> but that's Chipper Chipper style, man. I mean, Chipper's like uh, I know, love watching old videos of Chipper when he was young because oh, yeah. you know he he didn't awesome. do a lot of that stuff. Um, Later on in his career, he's pretty right. calm about it. But he's cocky you watch, young. when you watch those videos of a cocky young Chipper it's Jones, great, man, it gets yeah. me fired up. I'm, I, I never got to see that side of him. Yeah, I covered the Marlins when he was like that, and they hated him. And hated Marlins him. fans hated him, but they also knew he was great, you yeah. know, and they'd love to have had him. Yeah. But I remember covering that guy and thinking, man, he's cocky. But yep. I love cocky young guys like that. Yeah. But they could back it up. If they can't yeah, back it could. up, then they're just a decent player and they act cocky. I don't like that at all. But when you're yeah. great, like Chipper was, and you're cocky, <laughs> give me that any day of the week, man. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's the situation where your teammates have your back and love you because they know how good you are, and you're good in the clubhouse. You do what you got to do on the field. He was like Acuna with the swagger, but he didn't have the he didn't have the it wasn't the fun smile and all that like Acuna laughing at everything. Chipper just came across as I'm bad, man. I'm a badass. Don't mess yeah. with me. <laughs> he still is. <laughs> he still is. Guys, let's take a quick break, and then we'll finish up the show. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Azuna home run last night, 114.3 off the bat, which is common for uh, Acuna. But it went 479 feet, man. That was tied for the longest that Azuna has hit in the Statcast era since 2015. Too short of Acuna, right? Because Acuna hit 141. In the same, like three days earlier. Yeah. Uh, It was the third longest in the majors this year behind Acuna's 481-foot drive Tuesday. And the White Sox, your man, her, her Mercedes hit one four eighty five. So the Braves got a couple of guys that hit some. They and, and add Riley to that mix. They yeah. got some guys that hit them a long way. <laughs> yeah, and those are fun to see. I mean, that that's that goes back to what has made this team so fun to watch the last few years. You might see something like that. Yeah, you know, Acuna coming up. Anything he does is must see TV. But 
you got a few more guys in the lineup that can do that. I mean, you watch the fans when something like that happens, man. That's what they came out to the park to see. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, they're not bored. Even when they're, you know, scuffling, they're not a boring team. You know, that no. game, sun, that doubleheader Sunday, that was boring. That, that was sucked. A, but it was like it was like struggling just brought them down too. It was like they it was like they it was a rare time where after like four innings you felt like they were just mailing in because nothing was going their way. Yeah, and it, that's and it's it, hard to be having fun when you get your ass kicked. And the opposing pitcher in both games was just shoving up their butt, man. I mean, yeah. it's just dominating. So yeah. Um. So you know there was something. Uh, Paul Bird had talked to a couple of people with the Cubs, I think it was, and they were talking about how much fun the Braves players seem to have and everything. And, and I've seen that from a lot, a lot of other opposing players, especially when they're like become free agents and a couple of them signed with the Braves have said that. Um, part of the appeal was seeing the Braves, how much fun they had playing their team. So, and and, and Snit was asked about this exuberance that they seem to play, this genuine joy that his players seem to have. And he said, I think it's a lot of that is the reasons why they've been successful the last few years. They're resilient as hell, but they love to play and they love to compete and they have fun. And, uh, you know, Snit loves guys having fun playing baseball. He's old school, but he loves guys having fun playing the game. Like the kids, you know, playing it because it's a game. People forget it's a game. It's a kid's game. And these guys have fun doing it. So, but. I was thinking about it, and I just don't think that what the Braves do comes across as malicious or mocking to the opponents. So I don't think people have a problem with it like they do with some teams who have some cocky-type players. It's different. Yeah, it's the way you interact, too. You know, I mean, you get on yeah. first base with Freddie. He's not being a douchebag. He's, exactly. he's talking to guys. It's there's, there's confidence, and then there's arrogance. You know, there's a big difference in it. And then there's having fun, and then there's just rubbing it in people's faces. Nobody likes to have it rubbed in their face, you know, but – like you said earlier, none of their energy is going toward the other team's dugout. If you watch that Padres Dodgers series, yeah, that Grisham dude, he runs yeah. around third base after a homer off of Kershaw, and he's yelling at the Dodgers dugout. Yeah. You know, I mean, you'd much as an opponent, you'd much rather see them just keeping it to themselves and celebrating within each other than throwing it at you. And that's when teams start getting pissed off. And the Braves, I mean, they never really crossed that line. No, they're not. They've had guys in the past that have like rounded the bases, yelling at infielders, yelling at the Braves infielders, like that yeah. time. You know, Carlos Gomez. <laughs> yeah, when 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 Max stood at home plate and didn't let him cross the plate, took his mask off and got his face. Braves don't have guys that do that. You know, Acuna has he's rounding the bases, he's doing all his stuff, it's stutter, but he's not ta- he's not talking shit to the opposing yeah. team. You know, and yeah. Ozuna, he's just running around the bases, lap smiling, but he's never looking at his life. <laughs> he's never looking at the pitcher, going, "Yeah, he's just having fun." So it's different. Yeah. It's different. It's a fine line, but it's an obvious line. It's a clear line. Yeah. Uh, and when you've got Freddie at first base, like you mentioned, he's the Sean Casey of the game today. He is the yeah. mayor. He's yeah. the friendliest guy at first base. There's some other ones. Rizzo's like that, but Freddie is the friendliest guy. He talks to 95% of the guys that get to first base. Yeah. And you see him having a conversation with Freddie. Latin guys, white guys, everybody. Smiling and laughing with Freddie. He breaks the ice with all these guys. He tells guys, nice at bat. Rookies come up there and have their first hit. Real nice at bat. Impressive. He makes everybody feel happy, man. So yeah. when you when that's your kind of your your front, your face person, really sets a tone for the whole team. When that first baseman, Freddie, is so friendly to everybody. Yeah. I mean, it, it's... It's definitely different, though. You know, you watch. I, I I appreciate that Dodgers Padres series just as much, where they hate each other. You know. I oh mean, yeah, there's no I, doubt. I, I like I, those rivalries. I love that. Love and 
I don't know which team the Braves could build that with, but that'd be fun to see too if there was a team that they just hated. And it could develop later on in the year. You know, I mean, you had it a little bit with the Marlins when they were hitting Acuna. Um, but that, that side of the game is really fun too. But yeah, yeah, you know, all their stuff they do, it's, it's, it's more within their own, it's, it's to themselves. It's not like they're rubbing an opponent's face. And I think that's why nobody really seems to have a problem with it. And it's a, if they were doing this 10, 15 years ago, it wouldn't matter how they were doing it. You know, it'd right. be a problem, but the game's changed. And, and I think most teams are embracing it. Uh, you know, they might have that with the Phillies, except Freddie is so good friends with Bryce Harper. It makes it hard, you know, for them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when every time Bryce gets to first base, you see him over there laughing like, hey, what'd you do last night? So it's like, yeah. Um, uh, we haven't even mentioned this because we had the last podcast was on Monday when they were coming off the doubleheader. The burn, the, if the Braves keep this going, the turnaround of the season is going to be viewed as the burning of the sage by Dansby Swanson, which yeah. obviously was probably a total coincidence, but whatever. He burns the sage Monday afternoon. He goes, walks around the field. He goes in the clubhouse. He goes in a bat room. Freddie said, make sure you get the bats. The game bats are in a shopping cart in a bat room behind lock and key. Dansby goes in there, goes in Snit's office when Snit's in there still. Snit was like, what <laughs> the? With the burning sage which is supposed to like cleanse places of, of uh, negative energy and all that. Took it out to the bullpen. He made sure he took it out there. Walked across the field, took it out to the bullpen. Did this hours before the game Monday. And they exploded that night after coming off the doubleheader. And they haven't looked back since. So the burning of the sage is going to be the turning point if the Braves keep this going. Whatever it takes, you know, I mean, whatever stupid <laughs> shit you got to do to just to have a reason to feel good, you know, take the edge off. And more than anything, it probably it just emphasizes that we're at rock bottom. You know, you, you make right. a joke out of it. You make it comical. Right. You know, it's like a reset for the team's mentality. And and now they got a joke, you know, that they run with. You know, you got this sage. They'll probably have that burning all year whenever they get in trouble now. But those little things are what get you through a long season. Well, Dansby made a good point to that effect. Dansby said it was almost like Sunday was rock bottom, and it was so bad that it was almost comical. So comical, just, it was. So it was like you hit a reset. It was better than yeah. just getting beat, you know, six to three and nine to four in a doubleheader. They got just destroyed. They got one hit in two games, and they were like, "Okay, that's it. Can't go any lower. Now let's move forward and reset." You know. And then he brings the sage out. It's like Freddie said. I don't know if it works, but it's more just a mental thing and a fun thing to try and forget about Sunday. He said that was a good thing for us chemistry-wise. So Dansby, with the timing, that was perfect. Yeah, but also that's leadership too. You know, yeah. I mean, if if your leaders and, and Dansby's a leader now, you know, he's in yeah. that role. He's been with the team a long time. If if your leaders come in and they're just, you know, down and sulking and I don't know what's wrong with us, and you're talking to the media and everybody's just, you know, grasping for straws, trying to figure out what's going on and, and yeah. down on themselves, you know, that that energy carries into the game. When you make a joke out of it, it's just <laughs> whatever let's just go play you know i mean it it can't get any worse than yesterday and when you acknowledge those things you you know i mean it's just it's it's a hard reset for the team so what they do in the next three games after getting one hit in 14 innings and no runs against uh the diamondbacks the next three games they hit 342 collectively eight home runs 10 doubles 649 team slugging percentage and outscored the cubs 23 to 7 in those three wins they had uh, five homers and 18 hits in a 10-0 route Wednesday. I saw something where they had more uh, war in those three games than anybody in the majors, like it in three games all year or something. It was crazy. Uh, so, I mean, it was just a huge – talk about a reset. 
that's the that's the one way you can completely forget what happened Sunday in a hurry. Yeah, and it, you can also talk about that from you know try doing that in New York. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know it's a lot harder to have that hard reset because you know when you start walking around burning sage, it's almost like a yeah. white flag, and and then if you don't hit, the media is going to just jump all over yeah. that. It, you yeah. know, I mean the. That'll be on the back page. No doubt. I think that I think that it's a it's easier to do that type of stuff in Atlanta, but yeah, it's the media is so good in Atlanta that they're you know there's not that pressure, which is nice. They in three days boosted their team OPS fifty points in three days. We're twenty five yeah. games in. We're not a weekend, so that's tough to do. No, <laughs> to seven sixty, which was tied with Cincinnati for second highest in the majors before last night. I mean, they went from everybody saying what's happening to the offense to having the second highest OPS in the majors. Yeah, before well, last night, you know that can happen. You know that. Yeah. That's my favorite. My two favorite quotes about baseball that kind of get you through those things, or you know, or, or sayings is one: don't don't ride the roller coaster, because if you're riding those highs and lows, you know, it's just it's mentally taxing to be thinking, you know, you suck as bad as you suck when you suck, and you're as good as you are when you're hot, you know. Yeah. And then water finds its level. And guys pointed that out to me early on in, in, in my career that you see these guys that seem to put up the, no, the same numbers every year. But one year they're hitting a buck 50 in, in you know, mid-May. Yeah. And you look at them at the end of the year and there they are at 279 yeah. again with, with their 30 homers. You know, I mean, that's just – there's so much time in a baseball season. It's hard not to ride the roller coaster. But as a team, you gotta you got to stay off it. And I thought that was why uh, last year – we're going to have people are going to look back at last year and they're going to see some superstars and the numbers they had last year and they're going to stand out. It's disgusting. They didn't have the time. They didn't have the time because there's no yeah. doubt in my mind some of those guys, you know, like Arenado, like Arenado, Yelich, yeah. by the yeah. end of the year would have had normal seasons. Yeah. And you, you, know? you get hot in July and, yeah. and they, they had 100 hit, they, games to go. You hit 405 in July with 12 homers and you look back and now I'm only 10 points below my career average. You know, I mean, that. That's kind of the stuff that happens in a baseball season, and it's that's why it's it, the hardest thing is for young guys, you know, to to not get too wrapped up in that and and trust that they're good enough, you know. But the veteran guys, they they know where they're going to be at the end of the year. Um, and, and besides just the sheer number of runs and hits that the Braves got in the series, the, like we said, the, mentioned a while ago, the biggest thing was. All of a sudden, it's not just Acuna carrying the offense, which he did for pretty much for three weeks. Yeah. All of a sudden, you're getting Riley and Ozzy Albies and Freddie and, and Dansby are all contributing. So, and Darno had a couple of big hits. So that was the big thing for me. Is coming off that uh, coming out of the homestand, is you feel like now you got guys going, and Acuna doesn't feel like he has to carry the offense, which didn't seem to bother him. He still carried it, but man, that, they were putting way too much pressure on that kid at the top of the lineup to have to do everything. It was like, if he had a bad game, they had no chance <laughs> yeah, it's over. for the first three weeks. He had he to do something. Many. Yeah. So Wednesday, Freddie had four for five with a double, two runs, three RBIs, and his seventh home run of the season. None of the Cubs pitchers got him out. We mentioned Rizzo was the only guy that got him out in that, that's, in that game. But that was a big uh, that was a big foot one for Freddie. He's got ten of those games so far in his career where he's had four at least four hits and one home run. And the only guys in the organization that have had more are all Hall of Famers: Hank Aaron, Eddie Matthews, and Chipper. Well, Freddie's a Hall of Famer for me. I mean, I had a conversation with some baseball people five years ago, and I said I think this guy's a Hall of Famer, and they were like, "I'm yeah. not sure," but even at that time, I thought he was. Yeah. 
if if for some reason Freddie retired today for some reason, he's in the Hall of Fame. But if he if if he you know he's going to play another five to ten years, probably ten yeah. more years. I think if Freddie has five more solid years, I think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, probably. Yeah. But he's certainly a Hall of Famer, no doubt. Yeah. If he just has five more good years, I mean, they don't have to be his his best year, but just five more of his average years, he's yeah. a Hall of Famer. Well, sure. and the thing with him is, that he's just so damn consistent. You know, I mean, it's yes, year after year after year. As long as year. he's healthy. He hasn't had a year where he just hit 240. No. As long as he's healthy, he does the same thing. He rakes. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that's a, that for me is a big definition of a Hall of Famer, too. Even the guys that get knocked for being number compilers. Yeah. Being able to just be consistently playing at a high major league level for a long time is, that's almost harder than being really good for five years. Yeah. There's not many of the guys that can be both spectacular and steady. I mean, those are your Mike Trouts, you know, your type of guys like that. And Freddie has been. Pretty steady and pretty, and he has had some spectacular years. Like last year was spectacular. If yeah. you look at his OPS plus and all those things, I mean, he was spectacular last year. He's he's never not a threat. You know, I mean, you play a series against the Braves. Freddie Freeman's a threat every time you play him, and, and you're aware of him. And yeah, his defense too. I mean, it kind of gets overlooked because he's playing first base, right. but he picks everything forever. Right. He always right. has, and goes up and gets stuff eight and a half, nine feet in the air, easy. Sprints um, to the bag to pitch, pick up the pitcher that doesn't cover. I mean, yeah. he's just – he's a for me, he's a Hall of Famer. I've talked to him for a long time. And Acuna's obviously joining that group of the steady and spectacular. Yeah. <laughs> Doubly spectacular. <laughs> well, yeah, he might – he's not even at his ceiling yet. Yeah, some of the bats he's having this year, I'm watching he's, and I'm like – He's just ridiculous. It might get overblown a little bit because I feel like he had pretty good at bats last year and, and walked more than, than I give him credit for. But this year – I mean, he's taking balls a quarter inch below the zone. You know, I mean, he's yeah. he's having incredible at bats this year, and he's just getting started. I mean, we just think every time, how much better can he get? But every year, there's no answer better. to that. He's gotten better. <laughs> yeah, he gets himself in a little better shape, and look at him, he's better still. Yeah, faster still. God, he can fly. And he's going to keep maturing and getting stronger too. Okay, so the Braves got back to uh, 500, 12 and 12 before they lost last night, 12 and 13. Tied with Phillies, 12 and 13, top of division. Um, th- this division, they're going to beat each other up all year, man. We've talked about that. There's no team with a 500 record right now, which is crazy. But we, but then again, we didn't think anybody was going to be was was going to run away with this thing. We said coming into the year that uh, I didn't think anybody was going to win more than 95 games, and I didn't think the wild card was going to come out of this division because they're going to beat each other up all year. Yeah, but for me, the only team that could run away with it is the Braves. You know, if you had to pick somebody to do that, yeah. because I mean, they're yeah. they're in it right now. I haven't looked at the standings, but they're either in first or a game back, and they've played like tied with Phillies. They're tied, so they and they've played like I'd say sixty five percent of their potential. Yeah, I mean, they've you know? looked terrible for yeah, two of lot. those three weeks, so yeah. two of the four weeks. It was panic mode for a lot of people early. And here on. they are in and first place. Yeah, I mean that's just that's kind of what you expect out of this division. Uh, so the, the, as prolific as the offense has been in those wins and also during the homestand, I thought it was good. They showed, they showed a glimpse of how good the starting rotation can be with Charlie Morton, who everybody's going to look at the ERA if they haven't watched the games and go, ah, he's been a disappointment. Not at all. He's had three bad innings, one bad one and three different starts. Rest of yeah. the time, he's he been pretty dominant, yeah. right? I mean, his stuff's yeah. as good as ever. 
he just he looks the same as when he was 25, you know, stuff wise, and mm-hmm. he knows how to pitch now. I mean, for him, it's just going to be a matter of how long he wants to keep doing it. But he's not showing any signs of falling off a cliff. Um, he's 37. He's 37. You know, yeah. I mean, to, to still be able to do that at 37 is not easy. But he looks great doing it. It for me, it's like if without those couple bad innings, and you can say that for a lot of pitchers, but. It's watching him pitch, you know. Right. It's, it's it's watching how dominant the rest of the start, you know, right. is, and then just seeing that one inning's kind of catching up with him. That even if his numbers aren't there, I'm, I feel pretty confident every time he takes him out. Yeah, his other innings too. He's not like getting out of jams. His other no, innings are he's clean. Dealing. He's dominant. Yeah. There's three or four batters in like every inning. I mean, he's yeah. he's Pumping dealing strikes, making yeah. and he, he makes they're just quality pitch after quality pitch. Good movement on it, keeping the ball where he wants it. He's not getting like you know when he when he has that one bad inning. It's not like he skated through to the fifth and then gave up a three spot. He was dominant to the fifth. Yeah, he wasn't giving up a lot of hard hit balls, and then he just has that one bad inning. You know, Huddy used to do that a lot. Huddy would be dominant yeah. until the fourth or fifth inning. Then he'd give up a three spot, and then he cruise for two more. He'd just have that one bad inning too. But I mean, it, when you watch Charlie, he's not. There's nothing alarming at all. Ian Anderson. Uh, had a couple of uh, yeah starts at, at the beginning of the year. He's looked terrific his last three. I mean, he's yeah. been absolutely sharp as hell. He's looked like last year's form now. He's got back to that. And, again, he's just such a different look coming straight over the top like he does, yeah. man. He's, yeah. uh, he's elite. I think he's elite. Yeah. I mean, he's, yeah. he's still a rookie, but I think he's 23 years old. Yeah, and, and when you, the confidence he had to say – I just start slow. Mm-hmm. That's not something you see out of a, a kid his age. Yeah, I mean, it's easy to go into panic mode. He but. wasn't like searching for answers, man. He's like, eh, no, I just start slow. Yeah, I mean, that's, nobody believes you. You, right. you know, like when you say those type of things, you're looking at the the reporters back in the eye, and they're like, yeah, okay, yeah. you know, like we're you look like shit, and yeah. and, and and you know, you kind of it, it's hard to sell that, but to have the confidence to say it and then come back out and back it up is pretty cool. Especially since you're a rookie and you only made like six starts last year, so the yeah. you know, there's people that go, you know, last year was a fluke. Now that people teams know you, yeah. now you're yeah, but. but- Everybody, there's always going to be people that want it to be a fluke. And that's one of the hardest things to fight. Yeah. He knows how good he is, man. Um, But like we said, the most pleasant surprise has been Huascari Noah. I mean, this guy is, uh, you know, you're getting freed back from the injured list. He's going to start probably Tuesday against the Nationals. Going to definitely come back to that series. This is probably this has been an opportunity for for this uh this uh, hamstring injury for Freed to hit a reset. Kind of hopefully yep. he hopes like that offense did because I'm I'm expecting him to pitch a lot better when he comes back. If you get him back now, you got Enoa doing what he's doing, you got Anderson doing what he's doing, and you got Charlie and Soroka on his way back. You know, it's that's the other thing about it is you've done this so far. You're tied for first place with the Freed pitched like ass and then got hurt. Soroka's yep. not even here yet. You know, I mean, you got reinforced. You're going to get better. Than you are right now, and you got to this place with no offense, no bullpen depth so far, and the rotation has been statistically one of the worst in the majors until the last week or so. Yeah, and and they're getting a lot better in a hurry. Yeah, so if you start getting six, seven innings out of those guys, like you get, you got seven the other day from Anderson, you got six and five and a third from Enoa, even though he wasn't as stretched out as the others, and now he's getting there. He threw 101 pitches in his last outing. Yeah, and Charlie, you know, Charlie can go, so he'll start going six probably. He's been doing five at least. All of a sudden, you get six, seven innings instead of three and four. Your bullpen can cover that. You can cover yep. that. They got well, enough you can guys match to up cover more. that. Right. 
you can you can put guys in better positions than when you have to when you have to bring when you take your starter out in the fourth everybody gets thrown off you know yeah. I mean, you, all of a sudden you're bringing guys that are used to pitching the seventh or eighth inning in the fifth inning and sixth inning and stretching them out longer they're more exposed once you start getting those deep starts and you can give a guy that's struggling a layup outing you know you could even if say nuke struggling you can bring him in in the seventh to face a lefty in a in a good matchup with two outs and just let him blow him away and, and ride that high. You can't do that stuff when you're getting three innings out of your starter. You need him to go two. See, you hung in there without Nuke for the last two weeks, but most importantly, without Chris Martin. People forget he hasn't pitched since the first weekend of the season. He's mm-hmm. probably your best relief pitcher. He comes yeah. back during this trip. He's going to be back. So all of a sudden, you get Martin and Nuke. I mean, that bullpen all of a sudden is a much better than it was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you've had to rely on guys like Biddle lately. I mean, because you're just, everybody's you're dinged up and you weren't very deep to begin with. Well, that changes yeah. now. It should. Yeah. Um, talked about Austin Riley real quick. He hit 182 with a 275 OBP and no extra base hits in his first 15 games. That was when everybody started going, well, the Riley experiment is it about over. I just don't think he's a long-term guy and all that. Well, Snit knows you got to be patient with these guys. It's not like he had a, many other options either, but he's going to be like Bob. He's going to be patient with these young hitters, and it's paying off now because Riley has been – last 10 games, Riley's hit 483, 605 OBP, 862 yeah. OPS. The guy's got as many walks as strikeouts in that span, which to me is important. Raised his batting average more than 100 points and his OPS by more than 400 points. He's now got a 416 OBP. It's eighth in the NL. I mean, we've talked about that before, though, how important it is to instill that confidence in a guy that's struggling. You know, I mean, if if Riley had to look over his shoulder every time he went, you know, one for 16, that he might be done. It might be going back down to AAA. He might not get out of that slump. But yeah, Snick giving him that boost of confidence and sticking with him and giving him time to figure it out. I mean, that's that's what we saw with a lot of guys with COVID last year. They knew after they had that first bad month, they didn't have time to get out of it. Yeah. Even if they were superstars with a lot of time in the game. Uh, so I, I think that's another thing Snit's really good at is just giving guys time to get out of their slumps and sticking with them. Bullpen, yeah. bats, you know, starters, everybody. He's he's sticking with his guys. and He's got and, confidence in them. And lineup, he doesn't drop guys like Ozuna, you know, hitting that with a 500 OPS. He doesn't drop him to seventh in the order, sixth in the order. He keeps him in that spot. Says, "You're my guy. I'm sticking with you, man. We're gonna ride or die with you guys." That, that messes with guys' heads a lot mm-hmm. when it's a when it's a shooting all over the lineup because it's just a reinforcement that you've been sucking lately. You know, it's just another thing. It's just another reminder that things aren't going your way. But when you stick with that guy and pat him on the ass and tell him to go get him tonight, you know, it's it's. They don't take that with them out there. They just start. They just go out there and play. And last thing, I mentioned Albies earlier. Uh, he gets overlooked by you know by his buddy Acuna doing his what he's doing by other Freddie doing what he's doing. But I, and Ozzy got dropped in the lineup. He's the one guy that got when for a while got dropped, but he's getting clean up now, and he's hitting like a clean up hitter. <laughs> you know, yeah. when they put him there, I was laughing because his OPS was about five hundred. Well, he's hit like one lately. He had he had a double last night in his third consecutive multi-hit game Thursday on the seven game homestand he hit 385 with an 808 slugging percentage he had five doubles and two homers in seven games he leads the NL with nine doubles now and get this since the start of the 2018 season Ozzy's got 97 doubles it's far and away the most of any hitter in the majors and it's 28 more than the next highest doubles total by a second baseman and he signed for about 80 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, I mean. And playing yeah. solid D. Yeah. 
Yeah, his D never really slumps. And Inoa, he had the other day he had nine strikeouts in the game against the Cubs in five and a third innings. His 148 opponents average at Truist Park, seventh lowest in the major in the majors for home home starts. One he's right behind Shane Bieber at 150. Inoa's 2-0 with a 1.56 ERA and a 0.75 whip in his three home starts. 24 strikeouts, four walks, and 17 to third innings. 12.46 strikeouts per nine innings at home. That's tied with Trevor Bauer for ninth best in the majors. And it's cool o- to see him make an all-star team. Yeah, his overall yeah. 0.91 whip tied with Clayton Kershaw for 13th in the majors among qualifiers. 190 opponents average, tied with Jack Flaherty for 19th in the majors, 12th in the NL, three spots ahead of, of uh, Ian Anderson is 196. I mean, Inoa's yeah, dealing. He has been phenomenal, dude. And we mentioned the hitting. He's four for 10. He's hitting 400. He's <laughs> yeah. with a homer double. He's slugging 1,200. <laughs> I thought I saw Snitter somebody say he couldn't even you know, square up 60 miles an hour in, in spring Not, training. And now he's uh, raking. He was whiffing on soft toss pitches in spring training. <laughs> soft tossed. He so said, he said, I've been a position player most of my life. You could, you could, he used to be a rake, but he said, I got to spring trade. I was struggling because I hadn't hit in so long, but he's, but he worked hard at it. And now look at him. He's, uh, well, I guess, yeah, he wouldn't have worked on it last year because of the DH. Right. 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 Uh, so yeah, Max Fried's two for five, but Noah's four for 10 is a hitter. Uh, Jacob DeGrom is the only guy that's hitting uh, better than him, 462, but Jacob doesn't have a home run. <laughs> no, and he played college. He was a shortstop in college. Yeah, exactly. Enoa's the only uh, pitcher with multiple extra base hits, and he's the first uh, Braves pitcher to homer since Holy Hill Tehran in 2018. <laughs> Here's Holy a good got one. one out. <laughs> Here's a good one. He's the first Braves pitcher to have back-to-back multi-hit games since, since – uh, Josh Smoltz. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. That doesn't happen too much. No, no. So, anyway, we'll see if he can keep hitting. I tell you, those swings look good, though, man. He's not up there taking them faulty swings. He's up there hacking. Yeah. yeah. He's up there yeah. hacking, man. He hit that homer, and he looked like he'd done it before. Yeah, he knew it was out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He, he went right into his home run trot. And, I mean, he was breaking ball out on his awesome. front foot, stayed back on it. Yeah, he's been a he's been a really pleasant surprise this year. Yeah, good dude, I, I, too. I thought he was good last year. You know, watching him, I always yeah. appreciated what he did. But the step he's taken this year is on another level. All right, that's it. We'll have another 755 is real next week. Two more next week. When, uh, we'll have a road trip to talk about, first half of a road trip. A lot, lot better things to discuss these days than there was a week or two ago. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's it for us. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Give us a thumbs up in the ratings, please. We'll send you checks. Our Eric will. 755 is real. We're out. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. 
Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.